Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 and AM 760 in Hawaii. I'm joined as always by Armani Buckets and Brandon Deutsch. How are we doing? It's a really good weekend, uh, yeah. good weekend of sports. Um, yeah. This is kind of random, but you know, Ivica Zubats with the career. Uh, I night know, man. I made me really think about: Are we ever going to get a like a thirty for thirty about Rob Palinka and Magic Johnson's era? As well, I told you, I told you guys when I was at when I was at SC in the brilliant Jeff Fellinser's class. Jerry West came in to speak, and he was like, he couldn't. He thought it was a joke when they offered that trade package. Yeah, he literally told us, are, "You're joking, right? Like what, that what, trade serious? made no sense at the time, though. Like there was never a point where that trade made sense. And when they described it, and when they kind of said why they made the trade, well, he's going to be a restricted free agent. We want to space the floor. It's like that trade at no point to ever make sense, and it's gotten. Pr- pr- not progressively worse. It may go down as one of the worst trades of all time. There was more to it. Yeah. So okay. I actually, do you remember what else there was, the reasons? Because I went back and I, I did my research. So I remember night. the first take. That was what you <laughs> so, said. So Magic basically doubled down because at no point did the trade make sense. But like when they made the deal, like it was even worse because like Mike Muscala comes in and he's not that good. He didn't do anything. Zubas, like you saw his potential yeah. there. We didn't see what he's become now. But you saw that this is going to be a very good player. So Zoo was starting. Yeah. Do you remember what happened to JaVale McGee? Am I ringing any bells here? No. JaVale was okay. upset that his playing time was being messed with. So they wow. were appeasing to JaVale. And do you remember what Michael Beasley and Luke Walton had happened? No. <laughs> I, so, I didn't yeah. either. This yeah. is no, you know, Michael Beasley was basically took to the media to say basically there's a double standard. Like when I do something wrong. That, so they wanted to get rid of Beasley. Which was, and it was simple to do, by the way. It was either you waive him yeah. or you trade him. Now, again, we talked about Caruso not wanting to pay him. It was cheaper for them to not waive him, to Add Zubats to a trade package and do that way instead of just waving Michael Beasley. They Amazing. gave up their starting center at the time. The cheapness of what has happened and yeah. transpired since the bubble, and th- or this was before the bubble, it's, it's incredible. But even right before the bubble, one of the cheaper things that they've done, and obviously they had to apologize for it, but how they don't even talk to the league and teams applying for what was it a small business loan or some kind of a loan you're the los angeles lakers you're on par with the new york yankees the cowboys you're you're one of the prominent franchises in the world and for them to apply for that loan for them to let caruso walk for nothing again caruso at that point in his life at that point in his career should not be saying i'll take less but he 
wanted to take less because yeah. a lot of players know the value of being a superstar player or a fan favorite player. They let him walk for nothing, and this trade will go down. Zoo is turning into a fantastic. I mean, listen, this is not what he's going to do on the regular, but thirty and thirty. That's crazy. I think it's one of those things where the Lakers may not, and I'm not saying they don't, but they may not have people in the front office that really are familiar with advanced stats and just like what players can do. Because obviously the advanced stats don't don't say everything. I mean, I played basketball at a decently high level. I know the game. I can watch it. But I also use advanced stats. And what they didn't understand is Zubac, even his time at the Lakers, was one of the best rim protecting centers in the league, right? And now he's he's got the highest percentage of, um, you know, they, they, other players, opposing players have the lowest yeah. percentage of field goals against him versus any center in the league right at that time. It just, it made no sense. And the Caruso thing, how they can move on from a team that was first in defense. These are very basic advanced statistics. Yeah. First in defensive rating. And, you know, part of that was Alex Caruso, all of the guys they had. Even Schroeder was fantastic. And thank gosh they brought him back because he's looked yeah. very good in recent games too. But they blow up that team. To me, it makes no sense. And what what we really need, what we see from other organizations, like the Grizzlies, even the Thunder and all these people, is uh, these organizations, they use these advanced stats and they have front office people that can do both, use advanced stats and see the game and scout. And what they do is they bring it together and they make, they, they get these players that can contribute to winning. It seems like the Lakers aren't looking at advanced stats. One thing is they've, they've, they've drafted extremely well. So yes. this is not a, a knock on who they've picked and who they've signed. This is a knock on the top, you know, the top guy in the department, whether that's Rob Palenka in, in, in saying, hey, like, how do you give up on a guy like that so quickly? And again, it's not like they got a really good player in return. Mike Muscala, like, I... I have to keep going back to seeing if this guy is in the league, and he is in the league. Somehow he's still in the league. He is. But at some point, that that trade, again, has looked progressively worse, but we're going to have Zoo put up a crazy stat line, and Mike Buscala will be, like, out of the league, playing in Shanghai or something. We're like, what the heck? What the heck? And again, the THT Pat Bev trade at the point where you, you're, you're kind of thinking, okay, like maybe Pat Bev has something left. If he can like f- fire up the squad, that's another deal that you're going to look at. Like, look at this young talent. You've seen glimpses of him being good. And if he progresses and Pat Bev is out of the league. I mean, I still like the trade. I know it's crazy. I'm in the mind. <laughs> I'm in the minority, but what I think Pat Bev brings to this team that's really paralleled by none is the culture Break shift. down the numbers though i mean i think that's oh yeah i mean uh, the numbers I'm more like you like i'm like oh like this guy is fiery he gets well, but by the absolutely. numbers maybe the worst statistical player in the league right yeah. now 100 <laughs> percent. i mean this is a guy who i, I think people fail f- like fail to remember this pat bev's 38 percent career three-point percentage was contingent upon other guys being able to shoot. He wasn't relied upon as that main shooter, right? So when all of the other shooters were there and covered, he was wide open, and that's why he made a lot of those shots, and now he's taking contested shots. Yeah. I mean, look at his three-point percentage, 23.8%. I get it, the numbers. 40% true shooting percentage. You're right, Arash, the most inefficient player in the NBA. Um, I still... I'm in on Patrick Beverly, though, because of the culture change. And I've never thought I'd say this as an advanced stats guy, but just what he brings to the team, the tenacity that he's trying to, you know, bring. I mean, I don't think... But culture has to be... 
you win the games. Now, listen, I like yes, the fact yes, that he yes. stood up for his teammate, but at the end of the day, you have to win games, and he has to be not the worst statistical I, player I, in the league. I agree, but uh, at the same time, does Anthony Davis see this this turn back to the Pelicans, Anthony Davis, without Patrick Beverly's, know, yeah. um, you know, leadership? Because at the end of the day, he's tur- he really is is a guy you want on your team. He's a guy that really makes everybody want it more, and I think that is helping the Lakers. I know they didn't start off well, but they've won five of their last six games. Granted, it was against bad basketball teams, but man, we were talking about they won't even, they're not even able to beat bad basketball teams yeah. to start the year. Finally, we, they can beat bad basketball teams. We do teams. have to talk about that because now they're back on the court tonight at home against the Pacers, but again, to your guys' point, they had not won a single road game. They've won back-to-back. Yes, they were both against the Spurs. Can you? Is there a glimmer of hope now? Again, it just helps to win, right? That, more than anything else, helps the culture when you win. And as it is, they've won five or six, I believe. Have When I say turn the corner, I mean, like, they're beginning to win games. Guys are beginning to find where they can fit in. Can this be something where they b- build upon and become a play-in team? Why not? I mean, why not? I think the biggest thing with the last six games is it bought them time. It buys you time to figure things out. Who's going to start? Who's going to play? What kind of minutes? What kind of roles? LeBron gets healthy. Davis has been amazing in the past six games and all season, really. So it just... Okay, now you have a little bit more of an understanding of what you need to do to win basketball games, and now can it carry over yeah. tonight against Indiana is a great challenge. By the way, again, what is going on with these? I don't get it. Maybe it's always happened this way. A team plays the Clippers, and then the second night of the back-to-back, they play the Lakers. It's it a feels, new thing, yeah. feels like an advantage for, for the team that for gets the, the second night. On the second night, night yeah. 100%. I mean, that's what happened to the to the Spurs the first time they played the Lakers, right? They lost yeah. by, like, what, 40 because they played the Clippers and got drilled the night yeah. before. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do expect the Lakers to win this game tonight. I never thought I'd say this. Obviously, the Pacers have had uh, much more efficient players. Buddy Heald shooting 40% from three. Miles Turner shooting over 40% from three, playing the best basketball of his career. Funny that we're talking about those guys playing the best basketball of their career so far, but Turner's also, you know, 2.8 blocks per game, 18 points. Halliburton's turned into this young superstar. 11 assists a game, 20 points per game. And Ben Matherin out of Arizona has turned into arguably the best rookie in the NBA this year with Paolo Boncaro uh, or Boncaro. But it's one of those things that... On paper, it looks like the Pacers are going to win this game. But the way the Lakers are playing, and even that close game against the Suns, and the Suns are the second-best team in basketball right now, yeah. the, the way they kept that close without LeBron James, and I know we knock on LeBron for not being himself so far this year, although he was Saturday. Again, the Spurs don't play defense. That's a whole separate conversation. But it seems like everything's going in the right direction for this team to win tonight assuming Anthony Davis plays. They really need Anthony Davis to play because the def- the defense is, is another level when Davis plays versus we saw when he didn't play, they what's, gave up. What's changed with him? Like, is it as simple as the confidence? Is it as simple as I, him being, like, aggressive? I, I know I mentioned this. I think it, partly it's Patrick Beverly. I know. I, Explain I, that. Explain, like, why I, Pat Bev changes things for him. Absolutely. And I think it's because Pat Bev really was in college, a scorer, yeah. a shooter, and had to go to the NBA after, you know, bouncing around. Well, I, I, I don't know his story exactly, but definitely international basketball. I forgot if it was China or EuroLeague, but he came back to the NBA and he had to become a good defender. And he said this on his podcast. He wasn't a good, de- he didn't pride himself on defense in college, but him being able to 
do whatever it takes to win defensively. I think him and Darvin Ham have instilled that mindset into Anthony Davis. And, and you know, part of it is Darvin Ham, who did a very good job turning Giannis Antetokounmpo into the best interior defender in the NBA at the time. Uh, he helped with his development. That and Patrick Beverly's. Uh, you know, resilience and tenacity that he's, he's just a culture change. Every team he goes on, the team plays better defense. Jared Vanderbilt isn't Jared Vanderbilt without Patrick Beverly last season. Anthony Edwards played much better defense last season with Pat Bev being there. He's playing much worse defense this year without him. I think there is an effect and that's why I don't hate the trade unless THT turns into 20 points per game, you know, which he very well could obviously part that. And then I think obviously the noise about Davis the past couple of years, like, oh, 23 points per game, only eight rebounds or whatever. Like, you're supposed to be the superstar. What happened? And obviously he was good defensively, but he's really taken a step forward. I really... I really love the way he's playing. Hope I hope he can keep it up. It looks like it's here to stay. But then you got to have the conversation. If LeBron can have performances like he did Saturday night, 39 yeah. points, I know he's against the Spurs, and Anthony Davis is as good as he is, what do you do? You know, because this is a team, if those two guys are playing the best basketball, you know, that they can play, especially Davis with the best basketball, arguably, of his career, you have a chance, right? If you build, if you put the right guys around him and Lonnie Walker has been great, but what else do they do? Do they trade Westbrook, who's been starring in his role, you know, for a Buddy Heald or Miles Turner? Do they wait and see if they can get maybe one of the uh, uh, Malik Beasley for nothing? You know, at the deadline, a shooter, right? Like, that's another possibility if the Jazz continue to lose games. They've lost four in a row, right? Armand, so what are your thoughts there? What do the Lakers do next, 7-11 and 11 right now? Yeah, I think that you bought yourself a little bit of time. Let's see what happens in maybe the next four or five game sample size. A smaller sample size this time, because now this is the make or break point. You're 7-11, yeah. and 11, as you mentioned, Brandon. And now it's like, okay, you have a little bit of momentum. Will you carry it and do something with it, or is it going to go right back to how it was at the beginning of the season? If you carry it, then here's the thing. We all talk about the 2027, 2029, but why not offer one of them instead of both? So now you're appeasing. (laughs) First of all, you shouldn't appease to anybody. Do what's right for the organization. But you have people that don't want to trade any picks. You have people that say trade them both and let's win now. Why not play it in the middle? Why not see who's available for one of those picks? And I think that maybe even just one additional complimentary piece with Davis playing like this, if LeBron can maintain it, and then maybe you get to keep Westbrook and the bench. I mean, the bench can stay intact. I really like the Westbrook-Reeves stuff off the bench. I think that's going to be very beneficial. So I'm going to say let's save it for four games from now and see how we feel. Let me ask you guys this. I think that there was a feeling that, okay, the West is wide open. We all thought the Warriors and Clippers were going to be the the top teams. The Warriors look like they could be that team again. The Clippers, if they're healthy, look like they could be that team. Does that make you rethink that trade? Because I agree. If the West is wide open, if, if they can put themselves in a position to win with a deal, yes. But... If the Warriors look like the Warriors again, if the Clippers look like, I mean, if, if, that, if that is so clearly that the top two teams, my viewpoint is like I would not trade first round picks to be a second round team. Well, I, that's my view. Yeah. And I, I think the argument against that is, you know, this seems like it's the clear year to try and contend because next year you're just going to, everyone's going to be better. Right. I mean, like 
every single team, and this is the most competitive NBA we've ever seen, next year it's just going to be even better. Whether it's the Clippers and Warriors still, but the Grizzlies are going to be get better every single year. You know, we're not talking about them. Denver, um, you know, Oklahoma City is going to be better. Sacramento looks really good. I think the Lakers, really, if you watch their games, if they can just get two shooters and some good defenders, they can hang with any team in the league. They really can, and I think you got to bet on that. And I'm not saying I agree with Arash, and don't give up the two picks. Russ has been great, you know, so far, except a couple of games ago, he's like one for seven. But you know, he's he's been a spark plug. It seems like the chemistry is good right now. I wouldn't do a thing until maybe January, you yeah. know. But I want to see if they get to like seven and fifteen, they go on a huge losing streak, you know. Then you have to reconsider everything, but I think they're going to win a multitude of games in this coming stretch based on the basketball they've been playing. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know that's just kind of what I'm what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the Warriors thing, it really looked bad at the beginning, but now I swear it looks like they have found another level from even their championship last year. It's crazy because Draymond looks like he's found the fountain of youth. Wiggins has gotten better. Curry has gotten better. Clay is returning to form. And I really think with that signing of Dante DiVincenzo, they did it again. Their bench is going to be just fine. But I don't think that you should think about other teams when you make deals. Okay. If you think that that deal or whatever deal it may be puts you in the driver's seat, then you do it. Who cares what they're doing? Because they're not going to go away. So are you just not going to make any trades and try to... You know, like if there's the a future? window for them to be a championship team, then I would totally do the trade. But if 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 there if that if there's no window, if the base if the best case scenario post trade is a playoff berth, maybe you win one round. Then I mean I, I really do have to think about what's the success of that trade because again. We're going to be talking about this trade for a long, long time. You know the Paul George deal, and you know pe people keep saying, well, "Well, you know, it wasn't just for Paul George. Technically, it was for with Kawhi and Paul George." That trade will never be a success in my eyes if they don't win one championship. Shoot, get to one finals. Right now, the the, the one thing that they've done is get to one conference f f finals. And when you look at the number of first round picks that they gave up, and you look at them potentially giving up a top five player in Shea. I can't view that, that like as a successful trade. So if I, a lot of teams trade future first because they're like, this makes us a contender, not just this year, but for the next t 10 years. You don't make a deal if you know that the, the, that, that uh, pick in 27 is going to be like a top five pick. That's a bad deal. I'm sorry. It is. But at the same time, the Warriors, I, I don't know when they're going away. So I if know. you want to try to win and you think that this move, whatever it may be, gets you closer to that goal, then do it. And also, the Clippers thing, we, we mentioned, you know, Warriors and Clippers at the beginning of the season. If Zubats is playing like this, you just need health. If they are healthy, they are so loaded. And mm. I still think the top two in the West... With health is those two. The Warriors yeah, absolutely. The I don't think it's close. Uh, I think we're we're seeing the Warriors. They're starting to win road games. They're going up the rankings in the Western Conference, and the Clippers are doing the same thing. And the Jazz are spiraling down. It seems like everything's going back to the reverting to the mean, right? Yeah. Like we didn't expect the Jazz to be this good. 
they're still good, but they're not as good as they were, right? Yeah. Same thing with the Trailblazers, who have lost a lot of close games. So we'll see. I do think the Lakers should make a move. Don't think Westbrook fits even off of the bench. I think they can become a really good basketball team if they get a couple of key pieces. I mean, the great thing is that, they, that they're finally beginning to win games. I mean, what I did want to have happen is this was another, and again, this could still be a bad season, but put some wins together, be close to a 500 team, be in the conversation for the play-in. Again, I mean, just really depressing when they were playing the way that, that they were at the beginning of this season. And the reason we're really not talking about pro football on a Monday is the state of the Los Angeles Rams, they are struggling, beyond struggling. They I mean, one of the worst titled defenses in league history, perhaps sports history. When you just look at, look at teams that have won a championship, you don't have to win the next year, but... They, they will be a, a terrible team, and you have to look at now what they trade. Speaking of first-round picks, that's a top-five pick. And that, that trade, uh, that pick could be the number four pick, could be the number three pick, could, could be as high as the number two pick. Um, yes, they won a championship, so at the, at the end of the day, it's worth it. But when you give up a top-five pick like that, that is nuts. Uh, but the Chargers, on the other hand, did find a way to win. Um, so we are very fortunate to have one of the best Chargers beat reporters at these Sporting Tribune. So when we come back, um, you know, just to talk about that that really impressive win. Really quick, did you like that call at the end to go for two? Obviously, it worked. I did, it's such a Brandon Staley type of a play that when it worked, it's like, that's our guy. And if it doesn't, it's like, now we're talking about Sean Payne. So... We'll ask Fernando about that, you know. Uh, yeah, he, 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 he likes to go for it. And again, when you're a 500 team like they were, you have to go for it. And so they did. It worked. They won. So let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by Fernando Ramirez of the Sporting Tribune. When we come back with the Mighty or 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears... We create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to a game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now and join our main man, Fernando Ramirez from the Sporting Tribune. Fernando, how are you? Arash, I'm doing great. I like to win tickets to a World Cup game of best possible. I Let's mean, I do just saw, it. <laughs> I just saw a smashing goal from Casemiro to put Brazil up one to zero on Switzerland. Uh, but no, right now, I, I honestly, I have World Cup fever. Some, some people say, "Oh, I have baby fever." I have World Cup fever. This is this has been a this has been a great. Uh, it's been a unique time. But it's honestly been uh, great to watch the World Cup and everybody get excited for it. Yeah, it's been cool to have it this 
time of year, November in the fall, post-Thanksgiving, big match tomorrow, Iran versus USA. I know I'm very excited about that with Armand. Uh, can't lose. Can't lose. No. Uh, no listen, no. it's a must-win game for win. both. Um, all right, Fernando, speaking of can't lose, speaking of must-win games perhaps, Chargers uh, finding a way to win. Brandon Staley once again with the gutsy call. Uh, put the bow on this game. You did a great job with your takeaways at the Sporting Tribune com. Your thoughts on this win? It's funny because as soon as Brandon Staley does something like that, a lot of people hit me. Like a lot of people start texting me. Friends start texting me, and they're like, they're like, well, well, can this be sustainable? And uh, can they keep on doing this? And I'm like, like uh, for uh, wins like this, like going for it on the two point conversion. Look. That's what Brandon Staley's at most good. And Justin Herbert said it yesterday. He said, I knew we were going to go for it. As soon as we started making a drive, I thought we were going to go for it. That's how aggressive our coach has been, and I love that about our coach. Guys are what people wonder outside the building. Are the players okay with this? No, they're they're more than okay with it. Keenan Allen, yeah, he had that WTF uh, tweet a couple of uh, when they played the Cleveland Browns and they decided to do some weird stuff. But other than that, the players are all for it. They love it. They love that they they have the ball in, uh, in their hands. And it's like Brandon said, we did uh, we ended the game on our terms, and that's what they did. They won the game. It was a great play design, to be completely honest. I mean, what Joe Lombardi did there. I mean, I know he gets a lot of uh, slack. But uh, here, he deserves uh, some praise because it was, you put Austin Eckler in motion. Isaiah Simmons and the corner both start staring at Austin. They go towards Austin when the ball snaps. Uh, one of the corners takes Keenan Allen, and Gerald Everett was wide open. He just walked into the end zone. And uh, just a great play design. Um, obviously, this game uh, meant a lot for the Chargers. Now they're 6 and 5. You're still in that wild card spot. But um, you're right there. But this weekend, they're going to need some help. They're going to need New England to lose to uh, Buffalo on Thursday night. They're going to need uh, the Jets to lose in Minnesota. So if they can get a little bit of help, they're going to get closer and closer. to. Uh, but also, they need a win. But I just thought it was a great, uh, it was a great um, game plan by Staley at the end to go for it. I mean, your defense kind of was... They were, it was up and down, but at the end of the game, they came they came through uh, when they most needed it. And I apologize; I've been kind of sick over the weekend. But uh, if I sound like I'm I'm going through puberty, but uh, my uh, my uh, my voice kind of is is wanting to leave me, but it's still here. But that was my biggest takeaway. I just thought that uh, Brandon Staley needs to do this moving forward, especially if they're gonna if they're gonna try and get a, a, a wild card spot. Absolutely, Fernando. And let me ask you about this Raiders game coming up because this could be considered a trap game. It seems like Josh Jacobs going up against one of the worst run defenses in football and the Chargers is just a recipe for disaster after his 229 rush yard game with that that walk off. I mean, the Raiders have been playing good football over the past couple of weeks. I know they're still not anything close to a playoff team, but this seems like a trap game for the Chargers. What, what are they going to need to do? to win this game? Is it going to be Herbert targeting all of his receivers again? Do they stay away from the run game a little bit with the weak secondary of the Raiders? Because this is a must-win game for them. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I think the Chargers need to keep on mixing it up, uh, let Austin Eckler do his thing, uh, keep on throwing the, yeah, keep on throwing the football, but I think it should make the match on defense. They're just going to have to stay disciplined. I mean, this is literally, I mean, Josh Jacobs has been very good the past few weeks, but then at, in the, at the same time in two weeks, you're facing Derrick Henry. This is going to be a good uh, uh, audition for you, knowing that you have that dude in a couple of weeks. I know Josh Jacobs isn't as big, but he is a big back. 
So this is going to be a good uh, a good chance to see what the Chargers have got. And yeah, you're, I think what the Raiders are going to do is they're going to put the ball in, in Josh Jacobs' hands. I, I, I sometimes don't understand why if defense, if offenses know that the Chargers have one of the worst defenses against the run, why they don't just run it the whole game. If I was the Raiders this weekend, I would run it until Josh Jacobs' legs fall off, literally. Like, just keep on giving it to him, see, uh, see if the Chargers can defend it. I don't think the Chargers are going to be able to stop him. I think there's going to be moments. That's what they did yesterday. So at the end of the game, uh, yeah, the Chargers had a bad... I think the the, the Cardinals didn't punt until 10.50 left in the game. And they punted four time, three times in a row. That's what the Chargers defense is doing. And I know I understand people get frustrated with the Chargers defense. They're giving up all these yards. They're giving up points. But when it matters most, the Chargers defense makes stops. Derwin James makes stops. Drew Tranquil makes tackles. Like They make stops when they most need them. And that's kind of what the MO has been with the defense this year. So, and that's why the Chargers were able to get the ball back and then end up uh, uh, scoring the game winner. So um, they're going to need to slow down Josh Jacobs this weekend. And, uh, and obviously they're going to have to uh, – I would try and put the ball in Derek Carr's hands. Derek Carr, you've noticed when they won, it's been because of Josh Jacobs and other factors. When they lose, it's because Derek Carr has the ball in his hands. So I would, I would try and get the ball in Derek Carr's hands and let him try and beat you. Fernando, the AFC East is loaded right now. The Dolphins are eight and three. The Bills are eight and three. Jets seven and four. Patriots six and five. Two questions for you: Who do you think is going to end up winning the division, and how do you think the division is going to play out in terms of the playoffs? How many teams do you see making it from that division? Uh, I think the Bills are going to end up winning the division. They still the in a couple of weeks. Uh, I can't remember how many weeks it is. But the the Miami Dolphins have to go up to Buffalo, and you know what kind of thing, you know you you know what they just did in Buffalo. They had to move them to Detroit because of how cold uh, it was, or the, how bad the snow was going to get. So it's only going to get worse as uh, as we move into December. So um, I think that that game is going to determine everything for the for the for the Buffalo Bills. And then also, we're still waiting to, to see what... Uh, I know the Buffalo Bills are one of the teams that OBJ has been looking at. I know he's been linked heavily now to the Cowboys. But I still think that the Bills have a, have a shot at him, so that'll be interesting to see. But I think the Bills end up with it. I think the... Uh, I think the Jets are going to be the ones that flame out and they don't make the playoff. I don't know. <laughs> Mike oh, White. Yeah, I, don't know. It, it's hard. I think one of those teams is going to end up not making the playoffs, but I want to see the Jets, but then I like their defense a lot. Their offense is kind of weird, but then uh, Mike White went in there yesterday and threw for three touchdowns. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the Patriots don't make the playoffs. Okay. I'm going to go with the Patriots. I, I say that uh, they don't make the playoffs. Um, I like some of what the Patriots are doing. I, I, I was very surprised that they uh, were able to put up a fight against Minnesota. But um, the Patriots have, I think, three more games on national TV and they're all going to be very tough. So, um, so I see the Patriots, uh, don't end up making the, the playoffs. And Fernando, let me ask you about the teams in the NFC, because this is a very odd conference this season. You have the Eagles, obviously 10 and one, you have the Vikings nine and two. Then the three seed right now is the 49ers seven and four of one, four straight. Although they, they didn't look too great offensively against a very bad saints team yesterday there's some cause for concern there despite their dominant defense and you have the bucks right five and six what do you expect to happen in the rest of the nfc how do those wild cards play out you know with the giants with now the commanders seven and five somehow i mean 
The Cowboys probably a lot. Right? Ron. <laughs> I know Riverboat Ron. I agree with you. I don't think he's a good football coach, but somehow, some way, I mean, they believe in him and they There's, win games. He's more of a motivational guy, I think, and that's the thing. Sometimes, if you have somebody like him who's going to motivate you and and get you moving, but sometimes that speech works. Um, uh, 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 yeah, I just see. I, I just don't trust Seattle. I don't trust Seattle. Atlanta's done. I think I think it's going to stay the way it is. It's just going to be there's going to be some shuffling, moving around. I I could I could eventually see what like right now, Philly, Minnesota, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Dallas, New York, and Washington. Wow, all four teams would make it from the NFC East. Holy smokes! Okay, so I definitely think that that's the way it's going to end up sitting. I don't think the Cowboys catch the Eagles. Um, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I think that's the way it's going to end up. I don't think Seattle is going to be able to rebound from this. I think that they're starting to kind of lose a little bit of their uh, momentum. I don't think Detroit uh, comes back. I don't think Atlanta can come back. I think Green Bay's done. Um, so, yeah, I think all four AFC, NFC East teams make it. And, wow, we would get oh, Tampa, we would get Dallas at Tampa first, the Giants at San Francisco, and then Washington at Minnesota. Yeah, that would be a, a good play to game. Um, yeah, that's the way I think it ends up finishing out, to be completely honest. I mean, maybe the Washington jumps the Giants or, or something like that, but I think that's how the, I think that this is how we're going to go, go moving into the playoffs. Fernando, the Heisman was a two-man race going into the weekend. I think it's a one-man race at this point. I think Caleb Williams, basically the Pac-12 championship, is a victory lap for him. Your thoughts on Caleb's performance and USC's performance against Notre Dame? Big win. Huge win for them. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Uh, Hey, what did I tell you about the tight end? That's not in good, Rock. Very good, very good. Uh, wouldn't you like to see him with, uh, with a certain quarterback in L.A.? <laughs> I, I totally would, yes. <laughs> My bad. I'm not trying to take away from your Thunder or from USC. Talk Thunder. about USC. No, just kidding. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. No, you know what's funny? Caleb Williams is so impressive, but I hate this narrative that people are starting to put on him. He's the Patrick Mahomes of college football. Stop. Leave him alone. Leave Caleb Williams alone. He's a, his own talent. Yes, he does things similar to Patrick Mahomes. But he also does similar things to other quarterbacks as well. His command, he like he's so impressive. The incredible part is this kid still has to come back for another year. Yeah. So I can't wait to watch how he grows from this year to next year. But man, is he impressive? Just the way he has command of the offense. That play, where and I know you said it, Rosh, you tweeted it out. Every Heisman Trophy winner has a play where you're like, wow. Yeah. And his was that run. I think that's the one that you pointed out to, right, Rosh? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that run was incredible. The way I think he had literally seven defenders touch him, and neither one of nobody can bring him down. The only person that brought him down was himself. I mean, he kind of gave himself up. I'm sure he was a little tired after that. But wow, is he impressive? I really think that uh, USC finally has a, a good quarterback. I just I, I hope that um, he is learning how to play the quarterback position. I hope, and I think Lincoln is really showing him. Hey, this is how you're gonna have to play at the next level. This is what you're gonna have to do. I because I'd love to see Caleb Williams on Sundays dominate. But wow, that kid, he deserves the Heisman this year. He'll probably win it next year, and uh, he's gonna have a bright career if he continues playing like this. But the kid is, he's really impressive. And Fernando, a follow up to that question: USC has Utah on Friday. Obviously, they're gonna want revenge if they win that game. And I want to hear your thoughts there. 
What do you think their chances are against Georgia? Well, obviously, I don't think USC needs to go in there with that mentality, uh, that whole revenge mentality. Just go in there and try and play your, your brand of football, try and win the game. Don't go in there with special like motivation because sometimes that, that stuff can backfire. Um, so I, I definitely think that, uh, like, there was a in the World Cup. There's a coach that said uh, he had O F uh, F Croatia, and the Croatians use that as, as motivation. Uh, or my God, he was trying to motivate his team because of what Croatia had said about them. Well, it ended up that Croatia used what he said against them for motivation. So. Don't try to use anything for motivation. Just play your brand of football. Go into uh, Vegas and, and come out with a W and, and focus on uh, the national championship. But I mean, I, I don't think Georgia's defense is as good as what it was last year when they had all these players like Jordan Davis and and uh, Trevon Walker and some of these pass rushers. I think they're beatable. I just think USC would need to play their brand of football. One, two, you cannot turn the ball over. They had some turnovers. Uh, against Notre Dame, um, and obviously they're going to have to stop the run. Their defense is going to be uh, crucial against a team like Georgia. So if they're able to run the football consistently, if Caleb Williams doesn't make any mistakes, then I think they could end up they could they could potentially beat Georgia. But it's going to be it's going to be a really tough game just because of the style of uh, uh, football that uh, Georgia plays. Fernando, I wanted to ask you about, going back to the NFL, about maybe the most viral clip of the weekend. Mike Purcell getting into Russell Wilson's face oh, yeah. and yelling something at him. With the Broncos <laughs> being as bad as they are, with the Russell Wilson experiment right now not going as planned, how do you think this plays out in the offseason? And is there any salvaging this of Russell Wilson in Denver? Man, I thought you were going to ask me about uh, <laughs> about uh, the Ram uh, about like they almost getting oh, yeah. uh, hit the money maker. <laughs> that's right. Somebody hurt the money maker. Yeah. What do we do? Like that's the brand. That's the Rams burn. That face is the face <laughs> of the Rams, and you're hurting the money maker. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's salvageable. It's, it's what's happening in Denver is incredible. And you know what's funny? I was talking about it with our uh, my good friend, with our good friend Eric Williams the other day. Yeah. Uh, Arash. I was telling him, I'm like, you know what? I think this is going to hurt his super, his uh, Hall of Fame bid. Wow. If he had one, if people thought, oh, Russell Wilson's a Hall of Fame quarterback, this is going to hurt him, and it's going to hurt him bad. I know it's only his first year, but this year's been terrible. They can't score more than – they haven't scored more than 17 points in a game. Like, that's they're historically bad. Their offense is bad. They can't move the – they can move the football. They can't score it. Uh, it's just been bad all around, and – I I don't know if they're going to keep Nathaniel Hackett because I know that, that that family has deep pockets. It's their first year owning the team. I wouldn't be surprised if they fired him, but they may give him another, if they give him another shot. It's going to be it's it's bad because I think he'll be fired by four games into the next uh, next season. I just don't think Nathaniel Hackett knows what he's doing. He wasn't even the main play caller when uh, when he was with the Packers. So I just think it's a mess. Um, that's why when young head coaches are hired, I think that they need a veteran voice with them. I think they need a veteran coach with them. And sometimes these guys don't do it. They just hire uh, younger guys to kind of help them out. Um, I remember Sean McVay, I think, I believe, I think um, he had hired uh, Wade Phillips to be his defensive coordinator when he first got to L.A. That was very smart. You have a veteran presence who's been a former head coach, who can help you learn? Who can help you out? So, um, so I think that's kind of that. That was kind of Nathaniel Hackett's mistake. Uh, but I think they're. 
I think what they might end up doing is elevating their defensive coordinator to be their damn head coach because that guy's good. That guy knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, I think he's from the Rams system as well. But no, it's not salvageable, and I think Nathaniel Hackett really is on the hot seat. And uh, I wonder what the Broncos are going to do about uh, – I, I don't know who they could bring in that can help change that offense. Fernando, it's only been a couple of games, yes, but the Lakers have won five of six, and yes, they've been playing the Spurs. But you know what? Wins are wins. Uh, they've uh, they, they've looked good. Uh, your thoughts on the Lakers? LeBron James is back. The guys look like they've kind of figured out their roles. Can this season be salvaged? Can they perhaps make the play-in tournament or the playoffs? Trade Russell Westbrook. Yeah. I They, they just need to. It's, I know right now everything is cute, but you're in the honeymoon phase of the season. I know that things are rebounding. They they still need to trade him, I think. I think they need, if they're going to salvage anything, they need to trade him. Uh, they need to trade him away. I know they're playing well. He's playing well. But if, you're gonna, if they're supposedly getting calls on him, and that teams want him. Why not trade uh, trade him away? Uh, get away from that. Do your thing. Go get somebody else. Go get some playmakers. I think Buddy Hield and Miles Turner are still playing well. I mean, why not just go get them or go get somebody else? I don't know. I just I just don't see why they feel they're they're keeping Russell Westbrook. I don't like it. I think it's going to be the organization doing more of the hey, we told you so. Look, it's working. But I just I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't uh, mess with it, but AD's playing really well, and I know he sat out yesterday or the day before, but uh, I think AD's playing really well. I think he's playing at a um, MVP level as well, so that's going to help the, the Lakers as well, and I, I thought that if they ran the offense through AD, good things are going to happen, and if they continue doing it, I really do think that this team's going to get a lot better. Last 60 seconds, Fernando. Again, we talked about it. Brandon Staley being aggressive the players enjoy it they want to play for this guy what's the scenario here all the injuries all of this um, you know what does brandon staley have to do to keep his job he needs to make the playoffs yeah i, I really do think that that's what that's gonna be that's gonna be the thing you're gonna need to make the playoffs and if you don't it's gonna be i'm telling you I, and i know that uh tom plus has been around for 10 years and everything but it has to bring into question why have you not made the playoffs more than twice You've never won the division. You've never, uh, you, there's a lot of knocks that have happened during his tenure. So I really do think that Brandon Staley and Tom Blasco are going to need to make the playoffs for, for both of them to be able to keep their job. You know, and, and again, because you have the, the lingering factor of Sean Payton, and I only bring it up because exactly. he, he lives in the South Bay. We're literally seeing him almost every day in Manhattan Beach. And you have you <laughs> have Justin Herbert yeah. three years now making the playoffs. Like yeah. that's everybody wants to see him in the like even opposing fans of other teams are like, dude, it's embarrassing that Justin Herbert hasn't made the playoffs. And it's like, yeah, it really is. Yeah, no doubt about that. So exciting times, but the Chargers keep winning. They're six and five. We'll see how they do. Fernando, you're the best. Uh, we will talk to you next week after a big Chargers game in Las Vegas against the Raiders. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, "Stay safe and stay healthy." This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it, brother got smoke. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.